Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Genesis chapter 3. We are reading verses 22 to 23. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden, cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Okay, so those are the three last three verses of the book of the chapter three of the book of Genesis. So we have actually been looking at the tree of life. Okay, you remember the, there are two things that God did in executing the judgment that God passed upon Adam and Eve. There were two things that God did. The first thing is that God expelled Adam and Eve from the Eden Garden. And we have not really talked about the expulsion, but these three verses tell us that in executing the judgment that has already been passed, two things God did. God expelled Adam and Eve from the garden, but not only that, God then blocked the way back to the tree of life. And that is why we are talking about the tree of life, because the tree of life has really been very, very important to this first three chapter of the book of Genesis. And we are beginning to see that actually that tree of life is not only important to the beginning of the story, it's also important to the end of the story. And today we are going to ask ourselves actually how important is this tree to the middle of the story. So we have seen that this tree of life re represents the creator God himself. This tree of life represents the Trinity. This tree of life represents God the Father, represents God the Son, represents God the Holy Spirit. They are the source of human life, okay? And to partake of that life, human must eat and continue to eat of the fruits of this tree of life. So that is, we have seen, we have seen what that tree of life represents. Essentially, it represents God, the Trinity, himself. So from Genesis, the tree of life is central to the story of the whole Bible. That is very, very important. We saw that in the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Also, we saw, as we were looking at the tree of life in our recent teaching, we saw that this tree will also be central at the end of the story. That is in the book of Revelation. Why? Why is this tree so important at the beginning of the story? And why is this tree so important at the end of the story? It is because of what I've said. It is because of what that tree stands for. It is because this tree represents God himself in all his trinity. This tree represents God the Father, represents God the Son, represents God the Holy Spirit. And hopefully we are going to look a little bit more into that towards the end of the teaching today. So eating of the fruits of the tree of life represents our fellowship and our communion with God. Remember what we said that this tree of life and indeed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they don't have any magical power of their own. They, rep they are there representing something or rather they are there representing someone. In this particular case, the tree of life represents God himself, the God who is revealed to us in the scripture as three in one. This is the source of life 
this tree of life, which we know represent God himself, that is the source of life, both at the beginning and at the end of the story of the whole Bible. Then the question we have to ask ourselves is, what about the middle of our story? What about the middle of the story? Will this tree of life be as important in the middle of the story as it was at the beginning and as it was at the end? Will the importance of the tree of life be any different in the middle of the story as it was in the beginning and the end of the story? And obviously the answer to that is no, it will not be different. If the tree of life is central at the beginning of the story and is central at the end of the story of the whole Bible, then it must be central also in the middle of our story. But of course, there is a big problem, okay? There's a big problem because humans' rebellion and sin change everything. We saw that, isn't it? Now we know that human access to that tree of life has been revoked. Human sin, human rebel, they are now being driven out of the Garden of Eden where the tree of life was situated. Not only that, there is no hope of at least imminent hope of them finding their way back by themselves of themselves because God now guarded that tree with the cherubims and also with the sword that turns in everywhere. And we're going to look at those things in a closer dimension. So they can no longer eat of his fruit because by their sin, human has caught their unfettered, unqualified access to God. By their rebellion, they have severed, they have caught that unqualified access that they had to God. So they can no longer have direct communion and fellowship with God. And that means that they died, but also means that they are dying and also means that they will eventually die. They died. They died when they ate of that fruit of the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They died. Why? Because that connection was instantly severed. That connection was instantly cut. That access was stopped. But they continued to die because from that point onward, they, don't, they didn't have access to the fruit of life. So the life cannot be maintained. Now they still carry some leftover. <laughs> they still carry the, 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 the perfume of what they've been eating, the strength of the, the life that flow in them. And you will see, like we will see a lot of them live long and long and long and long and long years, hundreds of years, one of them almost a thousand years, but they were dying. Why were they dying? Because they have been caught from the source of life. You know, it reminds me of a laptop. For example, the laptop I'm using now is actually to electricity but actually i don't need to plug it to electricity because the battery has been charged up to 100 percent so i could potentially go through this broadcast without needing my laptop being plugged to electricity but if i unplug my laptop from electricity because the battery in the laptop is still so very good i could easily work for a couple of hours without needing to um, to plug my laptop but if i keep working on the laptop without plugging into the mains, a time will come when the power in the battery will run out and the laptop will go dead. And that was the same thing that happened to Adam. They were unplugged, but there was still power in their battery. And that seems to run for a bit. And finally, they died physically. So that is what was going here. They died because at that point, there was a shift. They kept dying because now they unplugged from the source of life and they eventually died physically. So for human, for Adam and Eve, it could no longer be business as usual. We know that from what the Lord God told them, that when the seed of the woman comes, when the Messiah comes, the road back to the tree of life will be restored. The road back to the tree of life will be open. But the question we're asking ourselves is what happened in the middle? 
what happened in between. Now, since the tree of life was important in the beginning, and the tree of life will be important in the end, the beginning must be connected to the end. But how? The beginning must be connected to the end. It is indeed a bad and horrific situation. The sin of Adam and Eve with its far-reaching consequences destroy everything. But however, as bad and as, as horrific as what happened in Genesis chapter 3 is, we know and we saw consistently that the love of God, His goodness and His mercy will not give up on human. It is clear from the story as we have been reading it, as we have been studying so far, that God will not totally cut ties with human. God will not discard them. God immediately set out to salvage, salvage what he can salvage and eventually to recover them, to restore them. And that is the story of the whole Bible. What we know is that God will eventually get his man and his woman back because God set out to do that right in the Garden of Eden. But in the meantime, God will have to stay close and connected to them as far as his righteousness possibly can. Because God cannot just overlook their sins. So God is sticking as close and collecting to human as far as is righteously possible. And this is the summary of the story of the middle. This is the summary of the story of the in-between. This is the middle story. And it is it also has, this middle story also has the tree of life at its center. And this is very, very important. Obviously, we said previously that the tree of life as a literal object disappeared from the pages of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 and reappeared again in the book of Revelation. Okay, the horrific drama that played out in the first Garden of Eden demanded this to be the case. So as a literal tree that represented God in the Garden of Eden and that we represent God in the new Garden of Eden, as a literal tree that we can touch, that we can smell, that we can see, as a literal tree, that tree disappeared from the pages of the Bible, from the third chapter of the book of Genesis. Now, if this tree is going to be important in between the beginning and the end and in the middle story, it will have to be in a different form. And this is very, very important. Okay, however, going back to the middle story, the in-between story, the phrase tree of life does make a cameo appearances four times in the book of Proverbs, even though as a literal object, it disappeared in the third chapter of Genesis to reappear in the book of Revelation. Actually, we came across that phrase again in the Bible, in four times in the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to look into those, some of those times when that, the, 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 the phrase came out, but it didn't reappear. These cameo appearances, these appearances that I'm calling cameo appearances, it didn't appear as a literal tree. Rather, and this is important, it is used symbolically, it is used metaphorically as an Edenic experience in the life of those who trust and fear God. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30, the fruit of of the righteous is what is a tree of life, and he that winneth soul is wise. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred make the heart sick, and when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein 
is a breach in the spirit. In these three verses, we can see that the tree of life was used symbolically. The tree of life was used metaphorically. So the tree of life is equated in chapter 11 of Proverbs 30 as the fruit of righteousness. And in, in chapter 13, verse 12, it is equated with a fulfilled desire. And in chapter 15, verse 4, it is equated with a wholesome tongue. So the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. A desire fulfilled is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And also when we look at that verse, chapter 13, verse 12 again, the tree of life was contrasted with a sick heart. And when we look at chapter 15 of Proverbs verse 4, the tree of life was contrasted with a breach in the spirit. So these are some of the results of the fall, a sick heart and a breach in the spirit. Where there is no flow of life that comes from eating the fruit of the tree of life, the result of that, some of the result of that is a sick heart, is a breach in the spirit. What is a sick heart? Remember, what we're looking at is the appearances, the symbolic and metaphoric appearances that the tree of life made in between the beginning and the end, in the middle, in the in-between. So what does a sick heart mean? Now, Jill's commentary describes a sick heart that we read in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 this way. The heart sinks and fails, and the man is dispirited and ready to despond and give up all hope of enjoying the desired blessing, whether it be deliverance from any evil or the possession of any good, a sick heart. A sick heart is a dispirited heart. A sick heart is a defeated heart. It's a despondent heart. A sick heart is a hopeless heart. A sick heart is a heart that has given up. And that was the situation of things when man was driven out and as such was cut off by, because of his own sin, cut off from the very source of life. What about the breach in the spirit that we read in chapter 15 of Proverbs verse 4 in the King James Version. Now, we can read that from other translations. King James Version call it a breach in the spirit. Other translations call it a broken spirit, a crushed spirit. One said a breaking of the spirit. Another one call it a shattered spirit. That is what happened to the heart of men and women because we have, we cut ourselves off from the source of life. Just like what will happen to my laptop if I disconnected it from the source of life. Now, in the beginning, that their battery still was charged and it took time for that charges to be off. But what about if the battery was dead? If time comes when the battery does not hold charges again. So there are some laptop that even though there is battery in the laptop, you still have to connect them continuously because the battery inside it is dead. And that is actually the state of every human today. All right. Our battery cannot hold charges. So it actually now needs to be plugged continually. But the only way that will happen is if you and I accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we ask him to move in into our life and then he will give us a new battery and then he will give us a new spirit, the Bible says. So this contrast shows us the outworking of the tree of life, that if there is no life, if we are not eating from the fruit of the tree of life, this is what will result, a sick heart, a broken spirit, a crushed spirit, a shattered spirit. So by the mercy of God, after the fall and before the Messiah came, 
those who trust and fear God, who is the source of life, they can still enjoy a measure of the Edenic experience of life. In the mercy of God, God made a provision that aligns to his own righteous and holy character in such a way that those who trust the Lord and those who fear him can actually experience a measure of Edenic experience, something of the fellowship with God, not not as it was in the Garden of Eden. And this is what we see in the Old Testament, that God was able to call a people. It is because of this mercy of God that we see here, that God was still able to, to maintain a measure of relationship with groups of people, individual families or group of people or race of people over that period, God was able to maintain a relationship with them because of this mercy of God. And this is what we say. This is what the appearance, as it were, of this tree of life in the middle. This is, the, this is what the appearance of this tree of life in the in-between story. This is what the appearance represents, that God gave us a little bit of an open door for men and women, even after the fall, to be able to have some fellowship and communion with him and enjoy a measure of Edenic experience while they await the appearance of the Messiah. Also, when you read through the Old Testament, you will see that there are also other places in the Old Testament where the tree of life is not specifically mentioned, but the imagery of the Edenic tree of life was used. Let's take one or two examples. Psalm 1 verse 3, you know Psalm 1 verse 3. In verse 3 of Psalm 1, it compares the righteous to a tree planted by the streams of water that yield its fruit in a season and its leaf does not wither and all that it does prosper. What does that remind you of? It's taking you back, isn't it? to the Garden of Eden. Here again, the righteous are those that what? The righteous are those that trust the Lord. The righteous are those that fears the Lord. And because of that, and this we tie into faith, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was what? It was counted towards him. It was reckoned towards him for righteousness. I remember we talked about this righteousness, okay? That God has created, God will is putting in place a measure, a system, whereby people can have a form of right standing with him that will allow them to actually enjoy something of a measure of God's blessing. Can you and I say something, the greatness of God's mercy, the greatness of God's goodness? And what I'm wanting you to see here, that actually in the, the Old Testament is full of God's mercy. The Old Testament is full of God's goodness. Oftentimes we don't say it. When you read Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 13, you will see that Ezekiel also spoke of the trees. But this one is tree that is coming, that is located in the coming kingdom of the new earth. And Ezekiel said that their leaf will not wither, that is in verse 13, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruits. Does that bring an image? Yes every month because the waters for them flow from the sanctuary, hallelujah, and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Doesn't that remind you of what we read in the book of Revelation and obviously the foundation of which is laid for us in the book of Genesis. And there are a couple of things that are raised here over and over again. You will see that immediately we talk about these leaves, 
is also always talking about a water. I'm going to stop here because we are going to come back to this next time because we are going to look briefly at how this tree ties up with God the Trinity. But what we have seen today is that even though as an object that we can touch and taste, the tree of life is not here, it is still central. That we draw life, we are still drawing life from that tree of life. And that tree of life is God himself. Even between Adam and the Messiah, okay, they were still able to partake something of the goodness, something of the mercy, something of the provision, something of the life of God. Not as full as it was, not anything near as it was in the garden because everything had been tainted. But God was, is so good, he still allowed his goodness to get through to human. Okay, and we see that there. And I'm going to say that again, that all those who trust and fear the Lord, they were still able to enjoy, usually through a covenant relationship with God. Usually through coming into a covenant relationship with God and being obedient, okay, and trusting and walking in the fear of God. Through that, they were able to enjoy some measure of Edenic experience. People like Abraham, people like Noah, people like Isaac and Jacob, people like Moses, people like Joshua, and we can go on and on. The people that God called men and women of faith. Men and women of faith are people that by obedience to God, their obedience have been counted to them for righteousness. By their obedience to God's commandment, to God's word, their obedience have been counted for righteousness. And because they are now righteous, they are in right starting with God, God was able to bless them to various measure and various dimension. And if you are listening to me tonight and you are a child and a daughter of God, now we even have something a lot better because the Messiah has come. Okay, and he has restored us back. Now, we don't have that tree as a physical reality, but now we have something bigger. We are going to talk about that next time. That is the Holy Spirit, who is the river of living water. We we connect that. We connect that next time. And we can trust in that. We can trust in the goodness of God. We can rely upon upon the goodness of God. And as we do that, we also will be able to experience, even in a greater measure, the Edenic experience. And now we cannot experience it in full because we live in a tainted world, but we can experience something of God's mercy and something of God's goodness. And if you are listening to me tonight and you are not born again, you are not connected. You are like that laptop, not just a laptop, but you are like that laptop whose battery is totally dead. You need a new battery and you need to be connected to the source of life. And it's not anything difficult that you need to do. What you need to understand is that you are a sinner. You cannot save yourself, but that God has provided a way out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it will come and it will save you. It will remove that dead battery, that dead spirit inside of you and give you his own spirit. And it will plug you into life and you'll begin to walk in life. And that life will begin to affect every area of your life as you begin to grow. It will affect the way you talk, the way you think. As you begin to grow in your knowledge of God, you begin, that life will begin to affect every area of your life. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and new earth. Do it today. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.